Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Natalie Ransom knew something was very wrong when her normally bright and energetic three-year-old just stopped. But she never could have imagined it was leukaemia. Five years later, her son Kane is still fighting the illness. Natalie joins us now to talk to us about her son and how we can help parents facing the most heartbreaking times of their lives. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. So tell us about your son Kane. What's he like? Oh, Kane. Um, he's quite a little character. He's got a wicked sense of humour, gives his best to everything that he tries to do. Never gives up, takes everything in his stride, gives the best hugs <laughs> and, and, and says the sweetest things. He just knows the right things to say when you need to hear them. Oh, fabulous. And he's eight now, is that right? Yes, that's correct. He's eight. Okay. So um, how did you know that Kane's illness was more serious than a normal sickness the first time he was unwell? Um, It took about five weeks to get a diagnosis of actually what was going on. We saw lots of doctors and over that period um, I noticed things were getting worse. Um, The doctors were listening to me but they weren't hearing what I was saying. Um, I think they just, because we never saw the same doctor consistently because it was over that Easter period, um, they just... What did they, they very, miss? They were, very, they were very quick to dismiss me. So he just mm-hmm. had sore legs to start off with. He just stopped running, um, walking. Um, Kane was a kid that could climb before he could walk. Um, I would find him in the weirdest spots as a toddler, <laughs> um, standing up on the TV unit, holding onto the TV, or climbing his sister's dollhouses, looking like King Kong. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, he'd, and out on the play equipment, he would be up swinging upside down, um, jumping on the trampoline, and he didn't want to do any of those things anymore. He was back to being in a stroller. Um, I hadn't had Kane in a stroller since he could walk because he was just so independent. Um, that's a huge that, that's change for a little boy. A huge three. change for a three-year-old. And so what Three-year-olds just don't stop. No, especially you know not I mean? boys. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, they definitely. Don't stop. Yeah. what most times you're complaining about as a parent. Yeah. Um, and so what were you finding when you were talking to the doctors about it? Like you were trying to say, look, this isn't normal for him. Um, and that sounds so interesting because there are people who work with children often say, you have to listen to a mother's instinct. Yeah, I believe like... I suppose from one aspect, you carry your child for nine months. There, there's some kind of natural connection that you get with your child. And, you know, still my mum, I'm, I'm 37 years old. My mum's, you know, 66. She still knows when to ring me when there's something wrong. There's just that, there's just that connection that never seems to go away between a mother and a child. Um, so when they weren't listening to me, they were just like, oh, well, we've done all of the range of motion movements. We've, we've, you know, pressed down all on his legs. He's got normal movement. He doesn't react to, you know, the, the like any pain when we're doing things. Um, and I'm like, I know, but look at him walk. He's not walking properly when, because, you know, when kids go to the doctor's, 
or see someone new, what do they do? They act all sprightly and jovial. Um, Especially you know, they if there's jelly beans on the desk. Yes, they only see them for, you know, five to ten minutes when you're observing them for, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you know them better than anyone. And they just kept saying, oh, well, he looks fine to me. Well, he doesn't look fine to me as a mum. So you should be hearing that. And when, and when were you finally given a diagnosis? How did that happen? So um, we had been at the, uh, the local zoo um, in the Hunter Valley and on the way home um, we just watched Kane's eye swell. Um, completely random. He didn't want to participate with the animals that day. He was extremely off, um, not himself. And so we rang the after-hours doctor and explained to them everything that we had been through because at that stage we had seen three doctors We'd seen a physio um, and they said, they listened to us and he said, look, I think there's something really wrong with your son. You need to go to emergency and you need to push. So we went to emergency. I tried to push. Um, they said to us, oh, again, we can't find anything medically wrong. You know, we don't generally do blood tests on children because they're too invasive, but we'll just do a quick urine analysis and I'm sure you'll be out of here in five minutes. And I'm thinking, oh, finally, like someone's doing a test. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. a simple UA, I'm thinking, okay. So they did the UA and they came back to us. They took more than five minutes. So we're sitting there and they said, oh, um, we've, we found pro high amounts of protein and glucose in your son's urine, which is abnormal. Um, we recommend that you follow up with your GP in maybe three or four days. And I'm like... Okay, we've got this spiel again. Um, so at that point, I had had enough. I knew there was something wrong. Kane was falling asleep everywhere. I was getting phone calls from daycare to say, you know, he's got a fever again. Um, we can't wake him up. You know, all of those kind of things. Um, so when I got to the GP, it was our regular GP that I've got a good relationship with um, and I just said to him there's something wrong with my son I'm here for a follow-up you way from emergency but I'm not leaving here without a blood test request mm. I don't care how invasive it is I don't care what you think my daughter that's got celiacs has been having blood tests since she's 13 months old um, they're not that invasive and know. so and how soon after that did you get the diagnosis um, we received a phone call at 10 to 9 the next morning I just dropped my daughter off at um, preschool and I was sitting in the car with my mum I'd asked her to come shopping with me because I needed a distraction I hate shopping <laughs> but it was just a distraction that's you know if I sat in a coffee shop I would be pondering you know I was trying to really take my mind off what was going on and they said oh the blood tests have picked up something for Kane and um, we would like you to bring him to our surgery straight away oh bloody hell and I'm like, okay, all right. So I got to my regular GP practice and the receptionist and all of that, which was very friendly, but not trying to make too much eye contact and or hold too much conversation with me, which is unnormal because I'm a bit of a chatter. Mm. And I said to mum, mm, something must be really wrong. So mum's like, oh, no, you know, it might be just something little, as mums do. And we went in there and she said, it looks like your son has leukaemia. Um, my mum just went into a whole shell shock. She just 
didn't move. Um, for myself, I work in the disability industry, so it was kind of like I went into go mode. Okay, all right, this is the diagnosis. Right, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make my son better? Mm. Um, so, And then we got sent straight to the John Hunter Hospital um, where we saw the paediatric oncologist and... We were there for quite a few weeks. I can't tell you how long at the moment. Um, it's sort of been a blur about how long and periods we've spent in hospital. But a lot. A lot. And a lot. what, I mean, it seems to me that that whole experience is a huge lesson in trusting your instinct as a parent. Is, is that what you came out with? That I mean, it's such a shame you had to push so hard, but at the same time you knew there was something wrong and you just kept going. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. I always say to my friends or, you know, to people I cross paths with and they they may share their story with me about, you know, different things. Um, I always say trust your instincts, go with your gut, don't give up if you think there's something wrong, even for yourself as an adult. If the doctors are telling you as an adult there's nothing wrong but you feel like there's something wrong, don't give up. You you know yourself or your child the best. Or your child or your child, just... Just follow your gut instinct. And what have you learnt about the whole, um, about leukaemia and going, being part of the paediatric hospital system? What's that, what have you learnt in that process? A lot. Um, I speak a foreign language to a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> when I'm talking about, you know, neutropenic and, you know, um, about his counts and, you know, being able to know what's normal white blood cells and red blood cells and platelets and, um, you know, all of the, the chemotherapy medication that he's on. Um, they're like, how do you remember all of this? And I'm like, this is my life. That's why you remember. Um, it's been five years. Like, Kane spent more time in hospitals, you know, having treatment for cancer than he has being a kid. And so. how's, how's he doing now? Um, socially, he's, he finds it hard to relate to children his age. Kane's got an advanced sense of humour. He relates better to adults and older children. Academically, he's behind. He's in year two, but he's at about a kindergarten level. Um, he finds it a lot harder to learn than other children. Um, and is that uh, due to just a simple interruption, the fact that he's had to be in hospital so much? Um, there's also that, but there's also... Um, they're not 100% sure because, you know, children's cancer... Kids just died before. So, you know, now there's a lot of, you know, treatments and, and options that they're giving and they don't know what the long-term side effects are of those at the moment. Yeah. Um, but one of them, he has chemotherapy into his spinal fluid um, quite often and one of the side effects is that, that it can um, affect their working memory. So it just takes them longer to learn. Mm. And as a mother and a, a woman, how have you managed yourself through all of this? Um, my husband's probably... My rock, he he has this theory, nothing's a problem until we make it a problem or we've got a problem, let's fix it. Don't focus on the negatives, focus on the positives. Um, so that's really helped. Um, I've also worked the whole time through all of this. So as much as I'm passionate about my work, I'm passionate about my family and my children and... 
I found it to be a real struggle that part of me wants to keep my career going because I've worked so hard for it. Yeah. But part of me is guilty because I'm not being there with my son, even though my husband has been there a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, well, that's the reality, isn't it? Like you, people don't think until they're in that situation how you handle that when you have yeah. a sick child. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like I, I, was, I work full time, but I will still spend, if he's in hospital, my husband and I still share two nights each. Mm. Because, one, I can't be away from my son for that long. Yeah. Um, or my husband. I actually really hate that. Um, I don't sleep. Um, my house feels empty. I feel like half of me is not there. Yeah. Um, and you said you have a daughter as well? Yeah. Yeah. So she's 10. Um she really struggles with it. So she thinks that Kane gets everything that he wants. Yes. That's <laughs> um, children though, right? I don't think, yeah, she forgets. I think she's like a fish. A goldfish. <laughs> she's a sibling <laughs> as well, to be fair. Yeah, I think it's really tough on the sibling. Yeah. Um, the children that go through it get the attention of the medical professionals or um, the special events that come into the hospital to keep them entertained. Um, so she's really feel like... Um, she's been left out, even though she doesn't see what he goes through. She doesn't understand that. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't expect a 10-year-old. You know, she was five when it first happened. Yeah. Um, and you kind of yeah. want to protect her from that as well. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's been really tough on her. Um, we've tr- we tried to protect her the first time. And um, we didn't tell her, but she was staying with family. So she was hearing phone conversations of, you know, half the side of the, the conversation with people. And we had also have had a, our first dog that had cancer. Um. And at the, it coincided at the same time that we had to put her to sleep. Oh, dear. As Kane's relapse. So she had developed this thought in her head that she was, that we were going to put Kane to sleep. Because oh that's what you did to people with cancer, like animals with cancer. So you would do the same. Um, mm. So the second time around, we have not kept any secrets from our children. We've only explained things um, in language that they can understand. What do you think is the biggest misconception about leukaemia? Mm. Just in cancer in general. Just because people <laughs> have hair that they don't have cancer. Um yeah, you know, Kane still getting treated for cancer, and he has been for years. But he only lost his hair for a short period of time. And he's still very sick. But he's still very sick, yeah. and he gets that from the kids at school. You don't have cancer; you've got hair. Oh dear. Um, and so, know, so, so in that scenario, you've got so many things going on that are just everyday life things with a very serious illness that's kind of imploded in the middle of. What is always, what is generally challenging anyway, family life with young children, what would help you the most from your friends and family, people you don't even know? What, what would help you most while you're dealing with all of this? That is a really good question. I've never really thought of it. Everyone just wants to do what they can, and I suppose we've always, we're proud people and we've let people do things you know, to a certain extent, but we're not. Yeah, that's a really tough one. Sorry, I'm 
Mm, that's all right. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I want from people because there's, there's periods where I struggle, and even though Kane's really healthy, I just think, why, why are we going through this? Like, you know, five years, like. I've worked so hard in life to do the right things. I believe in good karma. You know, I've always been a giving person, an understanding person. So, sorry, all of that. Mm. And there's periods where I don't... I isolate myself from people. I I don't want to go out on coffee dates with my girlfriends. I just don't... Yeah, I don't want to talk to people. I'm not depressed, but... You just need time. I just need time and I need space to process my own emotions. Um, mm. Well, maybe that's the key, right? That we listen to people yeah. when they say they need help, be there. And if they need space, respect that as well. Yeah, but also check in, but not too much, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because it becomes, you feel like it's a burden to constantly reply to everybody. It's an obligation when you have to carry. Yeah, when you're full. Um, yeah, just a simplest text message can be a little bit too much. But, you know, my friends will send me just a little heart. Yes. <laughs> um, a little kiss. Um, same with my family. Um, yeah, telling... I hate when people tell me that I'm strong yeah. because I'm not strong. I'm a mum. And I'm just doing what any mum would do for their child. That was Natalie Ransom, whose son, Kane, is going through treatment for leukaemia. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.